we're going to get going. We've got to dive right in. So we are going to start off by looking at a story from the book of Genesis. Let me tell you, if you haven't been here before, haven't been here for a while, haven't tuned in for a while, let me tell you what, what we're doing. <clears throat> we uh, started a sermon series a few weeks ago uh, called Flip the Script, and it's all about trading negative emotions for the truth of God's word. And so in our lives, we are faced with negative emotions all the time. We've talked about several of these over the past few weeks. We talked about flipping the script from uncontrolled lust to unconditional love. We talked about flipping the script from depression to hope, from, faith, uh, from fear to faith. And this week, we're talking about flipping the script from anger to peace. And we live in angry times, don't we? We even had a game a few years ago. Angry what? Birds, right? <laughs> angry birds. And, and I think that's just a microcosm of our society, right? Angry people. You know, and, and if we could fling ourselves at one another and knock each other down, we probably would. We're angry people. And anger is easy. It's easy to get angry. So tonight we're going to talk about flipping the script from anger to peace and how to have two different kinds of peace in our lives. Now let me tell you about where we're going next. For the next two weeks, starting next week, we're going to do a two-week series called Spoiler Alert. And we're going to look at Old Testament prophecies about the death and resurrection of Jesus as we approach Easter weekend. And so, uh, again, I just want to encourage you to make your plans to join us for Easter Saturday night, 4 o'clock and 5.30, Sunday morning, 9.30 and 11, for Easter services that weekend. And we hope that you will come and join us. And if not, if you're going to watch online, the Saturday 5.30 service and the Sunday morning 9.30 service, those two services will be streamed live from here as well. So tonight, we're going to look at an Old Testament story where someone got really, really angry angry at his brother. And so we're going to look at a story from the book of Genesis, right at the very beginning of the Bible. And let me set the stage for you a little bit. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God created the heavens and earth and the earth. He made everything, everything in the universe. He created the universe, stars in the sky, sand on the seashore, birds, fish, animals, koalas. He had to make koalas, cutest animal on the planet. But he made them all. He made everything. And including people. And he created people. Two people, Adam and Eve, put them in a garden, Garden of Eden. And he gave them one rule, one command. Don't do this. Don't eat from this tree. That's all you got. Don't eat from the tree. Devil shows up. The enemy shows up. The devil says, I'm going to tempt them to eat the, from the tree. And he did. He tempted them to eat from the tree. And what did they do? They ate from the tree. They broke God's law. They disobeyed God. They disobeyed his commandment. God comes walking in the garden says, where are you? Peeps? Where are my peeps? They were hiding. They're like, well, we heard you walking in the garden. We were scared. We were, we were hiding from you. That's what sin makes us do, doesn't it? It makes us hide. It makes us hide things. And so God says, well, why were you hiding? Well, we were naked and we were ashamed. And it's like, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? Well, of course, God knew. He was just giving them a chance to confess. And so God pronounces curses on humanity because of their sin. And they're banished from the garden. We pick up the story with Adam and Eve having two sons. We're in Genesis chapter 4. If you brought a Bible, I encourage you to grab it and turn to Genesis 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can uh, use a Bible app on your phone, like Bible Gateway or YouVersion, 
or even better, use the GFCC app. We have our own app here. If you haven't gotten it yet, you can download it by going to your app store, searching for GFCC, and in a matter of seconds, you can download the app to your phone, and you can follow along with the sermon notes. You can get text notifications about things going on around here, uh, as well as you can read the bulletin and the newsletter. I encourage you to use your app to read the bulletin and the newsletter. Our office manager, Sarah, does a great job of communications, and uh, she puts that together every week. She does a great job, and so I encourage you to check out the bulletin and the newsletter to know what's going on around here. So we're in uh, Genesis 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 as we get started. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, meaning he was a shepherd, and Cain worked the soil meaning that he was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now notice there. We hear about Cain bringing an offering first. Cain brings an offering. He just brings him some grain, brings, him some, brings God an offering. And Abel does, but Abel's is described in a different way. Abel's is described as fat portions from some of the firstborn of his, of his flock. So he, he brought the best and the first to God. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very what? Angry. Angry and his face was downcast. So God, the details here in Genesis 4 are a little scarce. We're not exactly sure. Did God tell Cain and Abel, okay, my expectation is that you will bring me an offering? We don't know that. But what we do know is that Cain and Abel decided to bring an offering, uh, uh, make an offering of a sacrifice to God. And so that's what they did. We don't know if God told them what to bring or what kind of offering to make, but we know that. Abel, when he brought his offering, it was the first and the best. And Cain, we don't know about. But apparently it wasn't the first, and apparently it wasn't the best. And God looked favorably upon Abel's offering. I don't know if that means that he blessed him with more, or if he just said, I'm proud of you. But Cain, it says he did not look favorably upon Cain's offering. And so Cain became angry. Cain was jealous of his brother and the blessings his brother had received. And he becomes angry. He gets angry because of what happened. Let's keep going. Look at verses 6 through 8. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Hey, uh, Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So Cain is so angry and so mad and so jealous of his brother that he has murderous thoughts. And God knows exactly what is going on in Cain's head. He said, why are you angry? If you would have done the right thing, none of this would have happened. If you would have just done what is right, none of this would have happened. And now sin is crouching at your door, he says. 
sin is right there with you, Cain. Watch out. It's getting ready to overcome you. It wants to master you. And it does. His anger and his, his jealousy gets the best of him. And he takes his brother, his own flesh and blood, out into the field, attacks him, and kills him. And walks away as though nothing happened. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now, remember, back in Genesis 3, when God says to Adam and Eve, where are you? He knew what they had done. He knew that they had sinned. He knew that they had disobeyed him. He was just giving them a chance to confess. Same thing goes here. God says to Cain, where's your brother? God knows. He knows exactly what Cain did. He knows exactly where Abel is. Where's your brother, Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be watching him? Didn't know it was my turn. I didn't know I was his babysitter. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And God pronounced several curses on Cain because he committed the world's first murder. He murdered his brother in an angry, murderous rage. He let his temper get the best of him. He let his jealousy get the best of him. He let sin get the best of him. And he killed his brother. Why? Because he was angry. And let's face it, sometimes anger makes us enraged. We get so angry. And, and we would say, we would say I, I would never kill someone. At least not with my hands or with the weapon. But maybe we kill people in different ways. Maybe we murder in different ways. Jesus talked about murder in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about righteousness and, and, and being, having our righteousness go more than skin deep. That sin starts in the heart. Sin starts with attitudes, not with actions, including murder. The, the sixth commandment of, in Exodus chapter 20, the sixth commandment of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not kill. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard it said, heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. That's that sixth commandment. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, racha, which is a, a Hebrew, uh, Aramaic word uh, that means empty-headed. Like dumb. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Racha, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. When was the last time you called somebody an idiot? It was probably on the way to church tonight, right? 
It's on the way to church. You're driving like an idiot. What is your problem? You're so stupid. Or, or, or maybe you're watching online and, and you just got nudged in the, in the ribs just now. Because you called your husband or your wife an idiot, or at least you thought it. Jesus says that murder starts in the heart. And it is an attitude of angry. When you are so angry with somebody that you would insult them with murderous words, that is sinful, Jesus said. I want to teach you a couple of Greek words. Uh, the first one is this. The New Testament was written in ancient Greek. The ancient Greek word for angry is orgizo. It means angry or enraged. Angry or enraged. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, uh, the brother of Jesus, James, said these words. Uh, he said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger is at the heart of murder. Anger is, uh, is not uh, righteous. It's unrighteous behavior. Anger is deadly. When you get so angry with somebody. Later in the book of James, he says that with the same mouth, we will sing God's praises, but we will curse people made in his image. That like every single one of us is made in the image of God, regardless of gender, color, uh, ethnic, ethnic background, uh, economic status. Every single one of us, no matter how tall you are, how short you are, how skinny you are, how not skinny you are, you are made in the image of God. And when you curse somebody, when you get so angry with them that you call them an idiot or a moron or worse, you are cursing people who were made in the image of God. We are killing them with, their, with our words. That's what we're doing is we're killing them with our words. So we need to be careful about getting angry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27, the Apostle Paul told the church at Ephesus, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, that's great advice. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Anger is inevitable. You're going to get angry about stuff. You're going to get angry at people. Paul says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold, because the devil loves anger. Anger is hard to get over. And if you go to bed angry, how many of you have ever gone to bed angry? Angry at your kids, angry at your spouse? Or how many of you are lying right now that you did not? That you've never gone to bed angry? <laughs> We've all done it. Lay down. Pull those covers over. Turn away from your spouse. Start to snore. Even though you're not sleeping. <laughs> If I pretend I'm asleep, he won't talk to me. If I pretend to snore, she'll leave me alone. I'm so angry. I don't want to talk to her. I never do that, right? No. <laughs> if 
We all do it. We get so angry, and we let the sun go down on our anger, and, and it doesn't go away, does it? When you wake up in the morning, you don't wake up going, oh, yes, ah, refreshed. All my anger and everything I was mad about yesterday is gone. No, that doesn't happen. You wake up, and you're like, I, I'm just so angry. And what happens? That bitterness and that resentment starts to build more and more in your heart. That anger and that bitterness and resentment. And it gives the devil a foothold. And he's like, I have got my foot in the door of your heart. And I'll tell you this right now. The devil can't put thoughts in your head. So don't believe that for a second. The devil cannot put thoughts in your head. He has no control of your mind. But I'll tell you what he can do. He can whisper in your ear. And he does. And he does. Remember what she did yesterday? Oh, that's right. I was mad. Now I'm mad again. You remember how he yelled at you yesterday? Oh. You remember what your kids did? Remember how they were acting like lunatics yesterday? They're going to do it again today. That's not the devil talking. That's me talking. I'm telling you right now, your kids are going to be lunatics again today. Maybe I'm the devil. Hmm. Could be. The devil will whisper in your ear and tell you what you want to hear. Because you want to be angry. Anger's easy. We'll talk about that in a second. So what's the opposite of anger? How do we flip the script? Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on who, you, live at peace with everyone. With everyone. As far as it's possible, as, as, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, Paul said this about peace. He said, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Teach you another Greek word. Arene means tranquility. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Just some tranquility, some peace. Peace between individuals. There's two different definitions. There's inner peace, and then there's peace between individuals and harmony. That's what this word means. If you want peace, like real peace, it's supernatural. We'll talk about that in a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul told the church of Corinth these words. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. That's harmony. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. That's unity. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Live in peace, he says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep unity and to live in peace. There's a couple of takeaways I want to share with you before we go tonight. First is this. Anger is easy. Peace is hard. It's true. It's easy to get angry. I'm going to assume that some of you commute. I'm going to assume that some of you get angry while you're commuting. That somewhere in your drive to Chicago 
or even across the street. <laughs> I have a, I have a three-minute commute. Three minutes, that's it, three minutes. From my house to my office, it's three minutes. You would think, you would think that in three minutes, there wouldn't be time enough to get angry at someone. You would be wrong. And I'm going to guarantee you they have an Illinois license plate. That's where the anger comes in. That's where the anger starts. I see that front license plate tailgating me three inches from my bumper because I'm doing five miles over the speed limit. I'm, I'm, I'm doing five miles over. And I'm getting tailgated and lights and fingers. And I'm like, I'm the one getting angry. I'm doing the right, I'm not even doing the right thing. I'm speeding. And I'm so angry. I pull in here and I'm just like, rawr, 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 rawr. I get angry. It takes three minutes. Three minutes. Some of you have a 20-minute commute, 30-minute commute. I don't know how you do it. I can't believe half of you aren't in jail. Just killing somebody from road rage. Right? Oh. Peace is hard. Anger's easy. Oh, we fly off the handle. Because anger comes naturally. Anger comes naturally. Peace comes supernaturally. See, our sinful nature is angry. We get angry real easily. But peace is supernatural. Peace comes from God. Peace comes through the Holy Spirit. Peace starts when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus... And you trust him for salvation by believing in him, turning away from your sins and repentance, confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord and getting baptized. God's going to not only forgive all your sins and wash you, wash you clean in the blood of the Lamb, but God is going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he's going to make peace with you but through the Holy Spirit, peace with you through the blood of Jesus. And you will have a peaceful relationship with God. Peace begins with God. And if you want to live in peace, you have to rely on God. You have to turn to God on a daily basis and just say, I can't live in peace with anyone without your help, God. Peace begins with God, and it comes when you rely on him. And it may be until you get in the habit of like praying for peace, it may be a daily prayer. It may be a, an hourly prayer. Lord, I need peace. I need peace. It could be with your spouse, your significant other. I need peace with them. Because I'm so angry right now. I want to go all Cain and Abel on them. It could be with your kids. Driving you nuts. You get so angry because they didn't clean up their room and they're not helping around the house and they're not maintaining their grades. And they started mouthing off. You get so angry at your kids. You fly off the handle and you scream and you yell at them. Or worse, you get so angry. Or you're angry at your coworkers or the drivers on the road. You get so angry. It's so easy. 
so natural. That's why we got to rely on God for, for peace. Peace depends on you. Peace begins with God, but peace depends on you. If you want to live in peace, you must make the effort. What did, what did Paul say? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Make every effort. As far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. It does. It depends on you. You have to make the choice. You have to make the decision. I'm going to be a peacemaker today, not a peace breaker today. I am not going to let my anger get the best of me. I am not going to fly off the handle in a rage. I am not going to lose my temper. I am not going to get angry. I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to count to 10,000 if I have to. And so just a couple practical suggestions. One is take your time. Count to 10 before you say something murderous or you do something to injure someone. Here's another one. Step away from the keyboard. Step away from the computer. Step away from social media. Take a social media fast. If you spend five hours a day on social media, and some of you do, some of us do, because I spend a lot of time on there too, mostly checking up on you guys. Pastor Sean's very disappointed. Step away from social media. Do it for a day, like one day a week. Just say, you know what? No social media on Tuesdays. It's, it's Facebook-free Tuesday. See if that doesn't improve your mood. See if that doesn't improve your level of anger and rage and temper losing. Or, or turn off the television. Like avoid any channel with news in its name. You know, like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, anything like that. Because you know what that does? That feeds your anger. It feeds your frustration. It feeds your temper. And that's what it's designed to do. Do you realize that? Like we're being played for suckers and fools. They want to sell advertising. They want to make money. And so they just pander to their base and they say all kinds of outrageous things to make you mad at everyone around you and everyone who's opposite from you so that you will tune in and you will buy their products and you will make them more money. And we just get angrier and angrier and angrier with one another, don't we? We point fingers. We use inflammatory language. That's not peaceful. That's not the mark of a Christian. That's not the mark of a follower of Jesus. Jesus got angry, but he got angry at the right things. We get angry at everything. That's not healthy. So my, my encouragement to you today, A, ask for forgiveness. God will forgive you. And then take some steps that you need to take to rid yourself of anger. Choose the pathway of peace. And when we do that, we will flip the script.